How's everyone doing today? Fabulous. You guys look good. It's a good looking first service. I'm glad that you're here. Glad that you're a part of it. Maybe you had just cabin fever and so you're here because you just wanted to get out of the house. And it's a beautiful day. Um, we're glad that you're here. Welcome once again to New Life. I'm excited about uh, what I'm going to speak to you about today and actually over the next three weeks. We're going to do a little mini sermon series for the next three weeks, and then we're going to go into what's going to be our Easter season series, um, which will be uh, a series on what difference does Jesus make. And um, I'm, I'm really excited about that and all that God's going to do uh, here during Easter. Would you begin to pray with us for our Easter services, for our Palm Sunday services? We're going to have an Easter egg hunt on Palm Sunday. And it's going to be awesome. We want not only the kids of this church to come and experience it, but we want kids of the community to come here and be a part of it. And so we're going to have several hundred eggs that are going to be started to be stuffed very soon. And so pray with us uh, for the egg hunt, for the services that day. And also, if you want to stuff some eggs, come and uh, be a part of that. It's going to be super exciting, I promise. Especially when you stuff one egg with a piece of candy and then you eat one piece of candy, right? That's the best way that I've found to do it. On Palm Sunday and Easter, we are going to have three services uh, just to, uh, to be able to handle the uh, amount of people that you're going to invite to be with us on those two days. And so uh, last year, uh, Palm Sunday was actually bigger than our Easter Sunday and we just had a, a number of people and it was the first time that we had ever gone to two services. And uh, we just believe we're going to have a, a number of additional people. We almost had tripled our normal amount of people last year on Palm Sunday than what we were averaging. And so there's no way that we could fit triple the amount of people into two services. And so we're going to do three. And so it'll be 830, 10 o'clock, and uh, 1130. So um, just a, a little bit change from the, from the normal. If you come to this service, you enjoy this time. The good news is uh, you can come and, and uh, still be here at this time. So... Just want to make you aware of some of those things that are coming up. And uh, yeah, we're going to dig in. Today we're starting this, this mini sermon series called The Blessed Life. And uh, I'm going to do something that's a little bit out of the ordinary for me for the next three weeks. I want to preach this series. And uh, the reason that it's unusual is because it's based on a sermon series in a book by Pastor Robert Morris of Gateway Church in Dallas. And I don't normally like to preach messages that are by other people. But what Robert Morris has done with this series of messages, with this book, this research that he's done for the sermon series is just absolutely the best. And he's actually, a number of churches simulcasted this series when they were doing it live. A number of other churches have used the videos on their Sunday morning services, all those kinds of things. Uh, but I want to just share with you, it's a seven-week series. I'm going to share with you just kind of the highlights of some of, uh, of this series, The Blessed Life. He describes this really as his life message. If you're not familiar with Robert Morris, you need to look him up. Incredible pastor in the Dallas-Fort Worth area, a church of about 20,000 people. And so he's partnered with other churches. He's shared this resources. He's given all the rights and the content away. He's told people to preach it as their own and not give him any credit, but I believe he should give credit where credit's due. He actually even came and preached this at Assemblies of God General Council. Um, he believes that this message, if people can grasp it, it'll change their lives, and I agree. And so for the next three weeks, uh, like many other churches around the country have, I want to share this with you, and I believe that it will be something transformational to your lives. These messages are about unlocking God's promises and rewards for generous living. And some of you are like, oh no, we're going to be talking about money. Well, yes, part of what we're going to talk about is money. Uh, but I want to put you at ease because if you're concerned that, that this is going to be three weeks of you being guilt-tripped or coerced into giving more money because the church wants more money or needs more money, 
That's not at all what it's about. <sighs> Big sigh of relief, right? As your pastor, my commitment to you is that I don't look to people for money. I don't believe that people are the provider of this church. I believe that this is God's church and he provides and he does funnel that through people that are willing and cheerful about it. That's, that's the way that God likes to do it. And so when we are willing and cheerful, we become a candidate to be recipients of God's blessings so that he can funnel those through us to take care of his church. The second part of my commitment to you is that I care about each person and I want you to be blessed. And in order for you to be blessed, you have to know and follow God's word. And so I have to preach God's word. That's a good place for an amen. <laughs> Guys, it's okay. It's going to be all right. You're going to make it. I have to preach all of God's word, the fun and the exciting parts. The more challenging parts, the parts that stretch us and grow us, all of it. And I'm never going to preach in response to something that I know uh, about somebody, something in someone's life and I want to target them. Oh, Matt, I just know, I know what you've been doing. And so now I write that new sermon series about your life. That's never going to happen, <laughs> except for with Matt. Um, but I'm also never going to skip over something in God's word just because it makes us more happy to not talk about the challenging areas. Oftentimes when the word of God talks about money and possessions, it really has less to do with the stuff and the money part and more to do with our heart, right? And so really what I want to talk to you about is, is the condition of our hearts. Maybe you've never heard these principles before. Maybe you've heard them. Maybe you live by them and it's just going to be something that encourages you in what you're already doing. But uh, I love this book. I think that the principles uh, from God's word that it talks about are incredible. I think that, the, that what you're going to learn about over the next three weeks are going to challenge you and grow you and that you're going to be a, a candidate to receive God's blessings in a way that you never had before. How many want to be blessed? Oh, yeah. yeah, so that's, that's what it's all about. So the title of today's message is called What Test? What Test? And it comes from something that most of us can relate to from our time in school, right? Um, how many of you have ever walked into school, you get into your classroom, and everybody has their books open, and they're, they're studying, they're cramming, they're, they're you know, stressing out a little bit, the tension's high in the room, and you just kind of sit down, and everyone looks at you and says, what, are you ready for the test? And your response is, what test? What test, right? What test? Who can relate to that? Uh, some of you can relate to it at a personal level because you've lived it. Others of you, it's just your recurring nightmare every Sunday night, right? That you're going to walk into class and that's going to be the experience that you experience. Well, the title is really not about school, uh, though the title comes from that thing that we can all relate to. But many Christians, many Christ followers don't realize that there's a test in the Bible. And we take this test every time we get paid. So let's take a survey here. How many of you get paid once a month? Raise your hand. How many of you get paid every two weeks? Raise your hand. How many of you get paid weekly? And I'm talking about W-E-E-K-L-Y, not W-E-A-K-L-Y. Several of you get paid weekly, both ways. How many of you never get paid? You wish you got paid, or you wish you got paid more? Okay, if you ever get paid, you'll take a test. The test is whom you're going to thank for your income. And we take that test by what we do with the first 10% of our income. Whom are you going to thank? Who are you going to worship for your income? Some people get paid and they think Visa, right? It's the first one they pay. But the problem is that Visa doesn't have the power 
to bless your finances. I don't care how great the introductory APR, the rewards program that they have, I don't care how wonderful that the benefits that they will tell you about, they don't have the power to bless your finances, but God does. So I want to show you two passages of scripture. We're going to be in Malachi chapter 3 and 2 Chronicles chapter 31. First, we'll be in Malachi chapter 3 for a while. If you want to follow along, we're also on the YouVersion app, the Bible app, on your phone or tablet device. You'll find us under the live events for New Life Church. We'll be there. Malachi chapter 3, verse 6. Starting there, it says, For I, the Lord, do not change. So who's talking? The Lord. Okay. Don't shoot the messenger. <laughs> For I am the Lord, I do not change. Therefore, you are not consumed, O sons of Jacob. I, I like this part. You kind of skip over like, come on, get to what you're talking about. You know, I'm the Lord, so you sons of Jacob aren't consumed. What does that mean? Well, I think it's God's way of saying, I'm a good God. I've always been a good God. That's why you're still alive. I haven't killed you yet. <laughs> Verse 7. Yet from the days of your fathers, you have gone away from my ordinances and have not kept them. Return to me and I will return to you, says the Lord of hosts. But you said, in what way shall we return? Will a man rob God? Yet you've robbed me. But you say, in what way have we robbed you? In tithes and offerings. You're cursed with a curse because you've robbed me, even this whole nation. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. And try me now in this, says the Lord of hosts. Test me and see, says the Lord of hosts. I love how he keeps repeating who it is, just so you don't get confused. God's talking. The Lord of hosts. I will, If I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you such a blessing that there will not be room to receive it. And I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes. So that he will not destroy the fruit of your ground, nor shall the vine bear fruit for you in the field, says the Lord of hosts. And all nations will call you blessed, for you will be a delightful land, says the Lord of hosts. This is coming from the God, the God who does not change, that's talking. He's telling the people that they've gone away from his ordinances, his ordinary practices, what's standard, standard practice for, for the children of God. And he's talking about their tithes and their offerings as an ordinary practice for people of God to thank God for the income, for their harvest, or their increase. And God says that this, this failure to understand this ordinary practice, this failure to observe this ordinary practice brings us under a curse. Now, we don't like to talk about a curse. We like to talk more about the blessed life. Come on, Pastor. When are you going to get to the blessed life part, right? But we have to know that that's what happens, that, that what God does for us when we abide by his ordinary practices, when we, when we participate faithfully in our tithes and offerings, it's incredible. There is a blessing that's attached to that. I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes. How many of you would like the devourer rebuked in your life? How many of you have met the devourer this year already in the form of a fender bender that you had to spend money on, a deductible for your insurance, a, the form of a, of a washer or dryer that... You just bought a couple years ago or just fixed a couple years ago and you had to fix up again some more money that you didn't expect to spend, things that you didn't budget for, that it seems like just goes here and there. Like money just grows on trees. It seems like in the, at the rate that they want to take it from you. I don't know about you, but I want the devourer rebuked over my life and my family. I don't enjoy it when my money goes to the devourer, right? He says, he'll rebuke the devourer for your sake, so he won't destroy the fruit of your ground, nor shall the vine fail to bear you fruit in the field. I need that in my life. I want what I do to be fruitful 
to be prosperous and God to bless it. But it happens in our obedience to the Lord in all areas of our lives. And some people will say, well, God's people can't be under a curse because Christ bore the curse of, of the law on the cross, which he did. But here's the thing, just because Jesus paid it all for us doesn't mean that we are able to live any way that we want to and there's not consequences. How many know that if you go to a store and you steal and you get caught, there's consequences? Only difference in dealing with the Lord is there's not a question of being caught. God knows it all. He sees it all. He sees the condition of our hearts. There's consequences for actions. Even if you get forgiveness, there's still consequences. What if you steal from God? A curse is a consequence. God's kingdom is set up in such a way that everything belongs to him, but he's entrusted stewardship of it to us, and he's established that 10% is returned to him. So if we fail to return the 10% to him of what he's entrusted to us, then the word of God says that we've stolen it. These are strong words, but you have to understand that I didn't make this up. This is from, from the Lord of hosts. This is from, from God who doesn't change. God did this. Pastor Robert Morris didn't write this part. I didn't come up with this. This is not just something that preachers say just to get a bigger offering. By the way, another sigh of relief. We're already taking up an offering. We're not receiving another one today. This is not for the purpose of, of seeing a big offering happen today. This is for God to speak to your heart in whatever way that he would so that you can experience his blessings in a real way. God said these things not because he wanted to curse us. No, in fact, the opposite. God is sharing this because he doesn't want his people living under a curse. But we voluntarily place ourselves under a curse by departing from God's ordinary practices. Now, this is probably the most famous passage on tithing in the Bible. But some people will reject this passage of Scripture because it's in the Old Testament. And there's two things that I want to tell you about that that are important. Somehow people have convinced themselves that things from the Old Testament don't apply to the Christian life today. And that's not true. It is true that we aren't under the law any longer. That doesn't mean we just throw out... Everything that had to do with the law in the Old Testament, we stopped obeying that. The Ten Commandments are under the law, right? What are some of the Ten Commandments? Someone help me out. Don't murder. I mean, we're not under the law anymore, so... Boom, right? Is that what that means? What are some other Ten Commandments? Don't lie. Don't lie? So we can just lie all we want because that's, that's the law, that's the Ten Commandments, that's the Old Testament, right? Is that what that means? That's how a lot of people want to interpret that we're not under the law. And that's, that's just not the way that it is. Second thing is that Malachi chapter 3 is the second to last chapter of the Old Testament. It's only like 20 verses away from the New Testament. But it's still in the Old Testament. If these verses had been two pages later in most of your Bibles, they would be New Testament. And that has absolutely no significance or bearing on what they mean. But I just wanted to share that with you. That was interesting. But God put it exactly where he wants it, and he did it for a reason. The reason is that, number one, tithing is a test. Tithing is a test. What does that mean that tithing is a test? What test? See, God is testing our hearts. Even when a person argues about tithing, you almost have to ask why a person would argue about this. What's the spirit behind this? Why would we argue when God didn't withhold anything from us? In fact, he gave even his own son for us. And we don't want to give them 10%. I'm telling you, this is a test of your heart. So why, why 10%? Why a percentage at all? Why was it 10? Well, there's a lot of, of, of detailed information about this. 
that Robert Morris goes into in his book. I want to share just some highlights with you about, about the history of it, how it came about. The word tithe is actually a Hebrew word, ma'asherah, which means a tenth part. And so that's where... 10% came from. It's a tenth part. Robert, Robert Morris goes into a lot about this. Like I said, we'll have some of those books available. We ordered them this week. If you want to pick up one, you can. I think they're like six bucks or something like that if you want to read more about this. but um, So why did God choose you know, this, this percentage? What, what's the significance of it? Well, one reason I think is that it's fair for everyone. 10% is, is the same. 10% is the same whether you make $12,000 a year, whether you make $20,000 a year, whether you make $200,000 a year. It's a penny on every dime for every person. It's the same for everyone. Another possible reason is that when you see the number 10 in the Bible, it often represents testing. You actually see the word test oftentimes with it. So here's a test for you. I want to ask you some questions. Here's a, here's a Bible with a knowledge test for everybody here. And you just feel free to shout out the answers out loud, okay? How many plagues... Were there in Egypt? Ten. Okay, so I could have asked it a different way. How many times did God test Pharaoh's heart? Because that's really what the plagues were, right? How many commandments were there? Ten commandments. Now, the questions are going to get harder, and you may not know all of them, but if you haven't figured it out yet, there's a pattern going. We're working on something here, so that, that's just a little hint for you. Um, how many times did God test Israel in the wilderness? Numbers chapter 14, 10 times. You're a good guesser, or you really know your, your Numbers chapter 14, right? How many times were Jacob's wages changed? 10. God is testing his heart. How many days was Daniel tested? 10 days. How many virgins were tested in Matthew chapter 25? 10. How many days of testing were mentioned in Revelation? 10. How many disciples were there? 12. That was your question. Come on, guys. See, you just fall asleep on me already. <laughs> Tithing is a test. But here's the thing about it. It's a two-way test. It's a way that God tests us and tests our hearts. But it's also the only place in Scripture that the Bible tells us that we can test Him. This word, try or test, comes from the way that you take, take a piece of metal and that you would try and test that metal or that you would test gold to see if it's pure. And God is saying to us, if we will test him and see if he's not a pure God. I want you to. I want you to discover, he's saying, that I'm the real deal. I want you to know that I will do what I say. I want you to find out that I will bless you and I will rebuke the devourer for you. But it depends on if you will thank me and worship me and walk in faith, believing that the 90% that you have with God is better than 100% without God's blessing. Again, people say things like, well, that's under the law, that's Old Testament. We already addressed that a little bit before, but I'm also going to show you that tithing actually began hundreds of years before the law, and it existed during the time of the law, and also in the time of Christ and the New Testament, and I want to help you understand, so let's let's do this. Um, Joe, you got your wallet on you? Yeah. Can I have the wallet, please? <laughs> Thank you. I'm going to keep this wallet because thou shalt not steal is under the law, right? Thank you, Joe. Let's see what you've got in here. I need to pick a different wallet. <laughs> That's not the way it works, right? The second thing I want you to know is that tithing is biblical. And we're going to look at the Bible exactly where that comes from. Before the law, during the law, after the law, time of Christ, all those kinds of things. This is something that's so important. You need to know this. 
There's a lot of people that don't tithe, and let me tell you, that doesn't make you a bad person if you don't tithe. If you don't tithe, you're welcome in this church. You'll be loved. I will pastor you the same. I don't go look, and we don't make a list of people who tithe and don't tithe. I, I actually heard of a church, this was a long time ago, like 1970s, that they had a bulletin board like our missions one, but instead of posting the missionaries that they support, they would just post a list of the people that tithe and the people that don't, right? We're never going to do that. That's, that's <laughs> I don't know if it worked for them or not. Probably not for very long. Sometimes as a result of conducting the business of the church, I may know that a person tithes and a person doesn't tithe, but I don't, I don't make it a point to go and check up on you. I'm not going in after services and saying, oh, who, who did and who didn't. That's between you and God. Different pastors deal with that different ways. We ask our church leaders to tithe. I tithe. I don't think you should handle the business and the finances of the church if you don't contribute toward them. But you're not a bad person. If you don't tithe, you're just not going to be blessed and receive the full blessing that God has for you. But a lot of people, they don't really believe that it's in the Bible or that it's for us today. So I want you to know that it's biblical, and then you can make your own decisions as far as what you want to do with it. So let's look at a couple passages of Scripture. Genesis chapter 14, verse 18. It says this, Then Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought out bread and wine. He was the priest of God most high, and he blessed Abram, saying, Blessed be Abram by God's most high creator of heaven and earth. And praise be to the God most high who delivered your enemies into your hand. Then Abram gave him a tenth of everything. Abram tithed to Melchizedek, the high priest. This is 500 years before the law was ever given. Abraham's our spiritual father. He gave 10%. He set an example for us. He kind of paved the way. If you want to be mad about somebody because of tithing, maybe you should be mad at Abraham. Why did you ever have to start that? Why couldn't you have given 3%? I don't know. Negotiate your way out of 10% with God. Go for it. Genesis 28, 22, it says this, And this stone that I've set up as a pillar will be God's house, and, all, and of all that you give me, I will give you a tenth. This is Jacob speaking, and this is 400 years before the law. Something apparently that Abraham passed down to his, his kids and grandkids. Leviticus 27, 30 says, A tithe of everything from the land, whether grain from the soil or fruit from the trees belongs to the Lord. It's holy to the Lord. Here's, here's part of giving of the law. The tithe belongs to God. That's why if we don't give it, we're stealing from God. Deuteronomy 26.2. Take some of the first fruits of all that you produce from the soil of the land the Lord your God is giving you and put them in a basket and go down to the place that the Lord will choose as a dwelling for his name. We take the tithes to the storehouse. We take it to the church. So, so now we've established as an existing before the law, and as part of the law, let me ask you this. If Jesus himself said that you ought to tithe, would you tithe? It's not rhetorical. You can answer. It's okay. If Jesus himself said that you ought to tithe, would you tithe? We shouldn't even have to think about it. If the, if the person that bled and died for us asked us just to give 10% of all that he gave to us, it should be a no-brainer. So if Jesus said it in the New Testament in red letters, would you do it? Okay, Matthew 23, 23. Jesus says this. Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You gave a tenth of your spices, mint and dill and cumin, but you've neglected the more important matters of the law, justice, mercy, and faithfulness. You should have practiced the latter without neglecting the former. Jesus is talking to these these hypocrites, these teachers of the law, these Pharisees, the people that he kind of went after the most. The people, Jesus never really targeted and picked on people that were non-believers. He called them to follow him, 
But the people that Jesus went after, the people that he didn't hold back on, were the people that said they had it all together. They put up this pretense of, of religious, everything is okay. And Jesus said, you guys not only give the first fruits, but you also give of the spices that you're going to put on your food. But you've neglected these other things. Then Jesus said, you ought to do that without leaving the other undone. There you have it. This is Jesus. This is the New Testament. Don't stop your tithing. Don't stop your generosity. Don't stop your giving. Yes, you need to be focused on mercy and justice and faith. Those things are important. Don't, don't just put money in the offering for show. Don't just give just to show people how, how great of a, of a religious person that you're is. Don't, you don't stop doing that. You don't stop giving and being generous. But if that's all it is, and then it's not enough. You need to also have these other areas. Hebrews 7 verse 8 says, In the one case, the tenth is collected by people who die, but in the other case, by him who is declared to be living. When you give your tithe, you give it online, you give it on the offering plate, however you do it. Mortal men manage and are entrusted to use that in the church, but God receives it. Jesus receives the tithe that we give. That's why I give, not because of a person, not because of a church, but because I'm giving to Jesus. The third thing I want you to know today is that tithing is a blessing. You're like, oh, we're finally there. We're getting to the good part, right? I've been waiting. I want you to go ahead and turn to 2 Chronicles 31, verse 4. I mentioned it at the beginning. We're going to actually get there. We find in 2 Chronicles 31 that Hezekiah one day is reading scripture and he discovers instruction about tithing. And this is during a time that they're in an economic recession. And he realizes as he's reading that the entire nation is, is failing to do certain things that they're supposed to do as a part of God's law. And he realizes that the entire nation's under a curse because they're not tithing. So in 2 Chronicles 31, verse 4, he ordered the people living in Jerusalem to give the portion due the priests and Levites so they could devote themselves to the law of the Lord. Now remember, Malachi said, bring the tithes to the storehouse and there may be food in my house. They're talking about natural food. But think about it today as spiritual food. When you come to church, do you enjoy the spiritual food that you get? Someone's paying for it. I know that's blunt. I'm not trying to be offensive. Once again, we love you. If you don't tithe, you don't believe in it, you don't want to do it, that's fine. It's between you and God. Someone's paying the bills of this church. Someone's paying so that we can have kids ministry and youth ministry outreach. So let me ask you a question. If we're talking about food, let me stick with that analogy. Would any of you go into a restaurant to eat today and eat the meal and leave without paying for it. How many of you would do that? Some Christians do it every week. Pastor Matt, you're stepping on my toes. I'm starting to hurt. Can we get to the part that's about tithing being a blessing? Wasn't this point tithing is a blessing? Let me tell you the reason that I'm preaching this message is for you. It's not because the church is hurting financially. In fact, we're doing fine. We're doing better than we've done in a long time. Our finances are increasing. As a matter of fact, I believe that our church is growing in generosity beyond just a simple command of giving 10%. We're supporting missions. We give to our community. We're a generous church. You guys are a generous church. I didn't decide to preach this message because the budget's down and the board said, well, you better do something if you want to get paid. That's not what this is about. We're okay. I'm preaching this for you. Not because I want the church to be blessed, but because I want you to be blessed. This will change your life. This will change your finances. This will change your marriage. It'll change your family. It'll change your children and your grandchildren. So go look at verse 5. He tells people, after he's told them to bring the tithe, verse 5, 
5 through 10. He continues in 2 Chronicle 31. It's on the screens as well. As soon as the order went out, the Israelites gave generously of the first fruits of their grain, new wine, olive oil, and honey, and all that the fields produced. They brought a great amount of tithe of everything. The people of Israel and Judah who lived in the towns of Judah also brought a tithe of their herds and the flocks and a tithe of the holy things dedicated to the Lord their God. And they piled them in heaps. They began doing this in the third month and they finished in the seventh month. You can look at those months. It has to do with harvest. When Hezekiah and his officials came and saw the heaps, they praised the Lord and blessed his people Israel. Hezekiah asked the priests and Levites about the heaps. And Azariah, the chief, chief priest from the family of Zadok, he answered, Since the people began to bring their contributions to the temple of the Lord, we have had enough to eat and plenty to spare because the Lord has blessed his people. And the great amount, this great amount is left over. This is exciting because the people began to obey the command to bring the tithe. And the king started to get worried about the people. When he started to see the piles and the heaps of what they were bringing, the king was like, are the people okay? I know this is what God said to do, and I know I gave the order to do it, but this is a lot of stuff, and we're going through a difficult time economically. Are the people okay? And the priest said, O king, ever since the moment the people began to do it God's way, God has so blessed them. What you're seeing here is just, it's just the 10%. You should go and look at how God has blessed the people as they've obeyed the Lord. The economic downturn is over. God's blessing and God is prospering them. There's heaps in here and that's just 10%. You should see the 90 that they still have more than they've ever had. That's because that's who God is. That's how it works. As a pastor for over 17 years now, I've heard two things from people in regard to giving and tithing. I've heard people who say we're so blessed and it changed when we began to tithe. It's an incredible testimony. I've heard incredible testimonies of supernatural things that God has done as people put him first. I believe we're going to hear some of those things in this church. And then there's non-tithers who say, you know what, I can't afford to tithe. That tells you a lot just by itself. You're never going to be able to afford to tithe until you tithe because tithing is what breaks the curse and rebukes the devourer. When you try to get ahead by not tithing so that one day maybe you can afford to tithe, you never will because something else will break. Something else will go wrong. It's the devourer in your life. But tithing is what rebukes of the blessing of God. When you put him first in your life, it rebukes the devourer in your life. And God's able to bless you like he wants to. I need a couple people to help me. I need three people real quick. Anybody? Anybody? Come on. Come on, Scott. Come on, Alyssa. Come on, Ryan. Come on up. Just kind of stand up here up front. It's not going to get as awkward as it did last week. I was hard on these kids. <laughs> okay, so let's say, just for sake of illustration, I'm going to tell these three people that I'm going to go away on a trip and I want to help provide for Melanie while I'm gone. And I've already kind of set her up with what she needs, but I want there to be um, some extra for her. So as I go away on this trip, I've decided that what I want to do is I want to appoint the three of you to help me take care of my wife and I'm gonna I'm going to channel additional funds to Melanie through the three of you and the way I'm gonna do it is I'm gonna give each of you ten thousand dollars every month to help take care of my wife she's gonna be really well taken care of I'm obviously not a pastor in this illustration <laughs> but here's all, all that I want you to do I'm going to give you $10,000 a month. And each month, I just want you to give Melanie 10% of it. I just want you to give her $1,000. And if you'll do that, you can keep the other $9,000 for your trouble. 
I want to bless you. I want to bless my wife. I want to see that she's taken care of. I'm going to give you $10,000. You give her $1,000, 10% of it every month. You can keep $9,000 a month. Does that sound like a fair deal? Alyssa's in. She's like, when does it start? Can we start March 1st? So I go away on this trip, and I'm sending them the $10,000 every month. And while I'm gone, I ask her, so how are the funds coming in from, from the people that I'm ch channeling this money to you through? And she says, well, Scott sends $1,000 every month. On the first of the month, like clockwork, that's what's great about Scott. I don't have to worry about it. It's, it's there. Okay, that's awesome. What about Alyssa? She said, well, Alyssa, Alyssa sends $2,000 every month, sometimes even more. She's super generous, like $2,000. I only told her to give $1,000. Like she's going above and beyond. It's incredible. I didn't ask for $2,000 a month, but that's amazing. So I said, well, what about Ryan? She said, well, we need to talk about Ryan. <laughs> the first month he said I invested it. <laughs> the first month he sent $700. Last month he sent $400. This month he didn't send anything. Now think about how that would make me feel, being away, knowing that I've entrusted them, that I'm blessing them with all of it. It's all mine. You got one person that's doing what I asked, one person that's going above and beyond. I thought so. You guys can have a seat. Give them a hand. What do you think I'm going to do with the three of them? What do you think I'm going to do with the person that Ryan illustrated, not Ryan? I'm going to stop sending him the money, right? I'm going to take what I've been given to him and I'm going to give it to the other two because of what they've done and they've done what I've asked and I know that they can be trusted with that blessing. That's what I'm going to do and that's what God does in our lives. He provides. He blesses us. He channels resources through us because he wants us to be a blessing to others and he just asks that we just simply obey, just return 10% to him. Jesus said, I'm going away for a while and I'm coming back. While I'm gone, I want you to take care of my wife. 10%, you can keep the 90. Let me remind you, is the church the bride of Christ? If so, then tithing might be more personal to Jesus than we thought because it's his wife. You should read the parable of the talents because there we see the master who took from the ones that weren't faithful and gave to those that were more faithful. He wants to bless you, but why would he bless people who would not even be concerned about his wife? Why would he bless people who aren't even willing to be faithful with what he's already blessed them with? I bet you in that story, Alyssa is going to get a, a good share of the 10000 extra dollars because she's shown that not only should she should be obedient, but she can be generous above and beyond. It's a test, guys. It's a test. It's very important that we pass this test. So the challenge for us today, the takeaway from all of this, it's not that we're going to take up an offering. We've received our offering today. We're not going to take up another. The challenge is for us to evaluate where we are in our discipleship. And if this is an area that our faith needs to grow, then so be it. Make it, make it a goal. God, I want to grow in this area of my life. God, I understand that it's a faith thing. Just like a lot of spiritual principles, I'm not going to see the blessing until I'm obedient. I'm not going to see you move in the way that you promised because it's one of those if and. If you will, then I will. So let's grow. Let's do what God said. Let's put him to the test. You want to see the, the windows of heaven opened and, and resources and blessing funneled through your life in a way that you've never seen before? Just begin to be generous. Just begin to be obedient 
to what God has told you to do and see how he says, I can trust Ryan, I can trust Alyssa, I can trust Scott, I can trust Hannah, I can trust Elena. I'm going to funnel more. They've proven that they can be faithful in the small things. I'm going to give them more things. If you believe that God is true and a faithful God and his word is true, then you should have no problem giving 10% and trusting God that the 90% that he blessed you with will bless you even more when you put that 10% in his hands. I don't believe that we give to receive. I believe that we give to give. We give out of obedience. But God's word is clear that when we're faithful in those small things, he will entrust us with more. There is a principle, a natural and a spiritual principle of sowing and reaping that, that is true. The blessed life is the best life. If you've been wrestling with this issue and you're not tithing right now, I want you to know that God loves you where you're at. But he also loves you too much to leave you where you're at. He wants to help you grow in faith and experience his blessing in your life. Putting God first in your finances and saying, God, you're first part of all of my life. And it's more than just saying it, it's putting your money where your mouth is. If you get a hold of this principle, you'll never be the same. Let me tell you this, God will help you. Maybe you need more faith. I'm gonna pray for you and I believe that God will give you more faith. When you take that step of faith, you'll experience the blessing in a new way and start living the blessed life. So I want to do that today. If you'll stand all over this place, I want to pray for every person. I, w- I want to pray that you would be able to experience and receive the blessing of God because your faith increased today. Maybe you've trust God in the past in order to tithe, and maybe maybe you're saying, okay, this missions thing, I'm not from the Assemblies of God background. I don't know what this whole missions thing is all about. We take up missions offerings, and kids come around with banks on the first Sunday of the month. I don't know about that, but I want to, I want to be blessed more by God, so I just believe if I... I begin to support missions. God's going to funnel more through my life. I want to pray for you that you just experience the blessing of God. You'd understand how the blessed life works. And there's nothing wrong. In fact, Scripture tells you, put him to the test. He's testing your heart. He wants to know if he really is first place in your life. And he invites us to put him to the test. So put him to the test. Begin to tithe. Begin to live generously. Begin to see if God doesn't Do exactly what he says he's going to do. His word says he's a big enough God for you to put him to the test and see if he doesn't do it. So I encourage you to do that. God, I'm thankful for this truth, and I thank you that you're faithful, that your desire is to bless us. And I pray for individuals in this room that are wrestling with this and that are deciding in their hearts that it's time. And they know what they need to do and that they're going to do it and they're going to trust you to see it through. I pray that as they receive this word and apply it to their lives, that they will experience your blessings like never never before. God, I thank you for a generous church. I thank you for those that, that regularly give in obedience to your word, those that give it above and beyond to support missionaries serving around the world, those that are faithful with what you've entrusted them with. God, I do pray a blessing on every person that follows your word in obedience. Lord, let your word be true. Let them experience you in an incredible way. God, we want to hear testimonies and stories of ridiculous, supernatural, God's fingerprints all over it, blessing in the lives of people as they put you first in their lives. May they experience your blessings like never before. I thank you in advance for for what you're going to do. That you're going to come through as you promised that you will. We love you. We thank you so much in your name.